This podcast from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. Faith Bible Church is a Christ-centered Bible teaching ministry dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And now for this week's message from Pastor Alan Battle. The scripture reading today is taken from various Proverbs and other verses. For I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Do not envy a man of violence, and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their hearts devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Then I saw that all toil and all skill in, my, in work come from, the, from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. This is the perfect word of God. You may be seated. Well, what is wisdom? We've been exploring wisdom in our series, Ancient Wisdom, Modern Times. And I have defined wisdom as the acquired learning that helps us know what to do in any given situation. But if you take that definition out of the context of Scripture, it can have a purely human interpretation. And many people are looking for purely human wisdom. They want to seek out wise counsel in order to live better, more fulfilling, and prosperous lives, but without reference to God. But the wisdom that we're considering doesn't have a human origin. From the divine perspective, living a better life means living life according to the principles that God has given us. He's given them to us in his word. So I just wanted to go back to the beginning for a moment to remind us of the foundation of this project that we began a few months ago. 
And that foundation is found in the introduction to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1, 1 through 3. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Wise dealing, knowing what to do in any given situation. But that wisdom is righteous. It's just, and it's equitable. And those virtues are rooted in the person of God. The key verse for the whole book of Proverbs is found in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So remember, the fear of the Lord is not a cowering, terrified kind of fear. It's a reverential awe, which is due to our Creator, who loves us and who desires an intimate relationship with us. So as we consider these topics that we've been going through from Proverbs, they have to be put in that light. If our pursuit of wisdom is not grounded in the fear of the Lord, then it's going to fall flat. The world has its wisdom, and it can look pretty impressive sometimes, but it will ultimately fail. And last week we were looking at justice and how God calls his people to rescue the helpless, to protect, to defend, to lift up the ones who cannot defend themselves, the poor the fatherless, the widows. And we saw the way to do this is through developing loving relationships through self-sacrificial service, just as Christ did when he rescued us. Today, many are clamoring for a counterfeit justice, not rooted in love, but rooted in hate. And that hatred is spawned in our hearts by the topic that we're going to talk about today, envy. You know, demagogues from time immemorial have used envy to gather followers. But it's not primarily a political problem. It is a spiritual problem. Satan uses envy to separate people from one another and ultimately to separate them from God. He's twisted envy into a false virtue, disguising it from being seen for the destructive vice that it really is. And there's several verses in Proverbs that deal with envy. And all but one of them warns against envying the wicked. But it's a topic that you can see all throughout the Scripture. And its scope is much wider than just envy of the evildoer. So in light of the current COVID-19 situation, I've decided to liken envy to a virus. We're going to identify that virus. We're going to look at the symptoms of that virus. And then we're going to discover the vaccine for the virus. So the virus... There are a lot of bugs that can cause sickness and death. 
to the human body. And in order to fight them, we have to first identify them. So what is the virus of envy? Well, I heard a story about two Russian peasants named Boris and Ivan. And both were very poor, but Boris was fortunate enough to have one cow. And Ivan had none, and he was full of envy. So one day Ivan was out working in his field, and he saw something shiny in the dirt, and he, it was a lamp. And he picked it up, and he wiped it off, and poof, out came a genie. And the genie said, Since you have freed me from the prison of the lamp, I will grant you one wish. Ivan thought for a moment and said, Well, Boris has a cow. I do not. And the genie says, So you want me to give you a cow? Yet, said Ivan, I want you to kill the cow of Boris. (laughs) This is the essence of envy. Envy not only feels bad because others have something that we don't, but it resents those who do. It robs us of our joy. Uh, A great medieval theologian, Thomas Aquinas, he defined envy this way. Envy is sorrow at another's good. Envy is the next step after covetousness. First you want something that doesn't belong to you, And then you resent the ones who have it. And we see it at the very beginning of the human race. Eve was envious of God's ability to tell good from evil. So she rebelled against him and she ate the fruit. And Cain was envious of his brother Abel's acceptable sacrifice. And he murdered him over it. In Proverbs, as well as in the Psalms, Uh, the focus is often on the envy of sinners. For example, Proverbs 3.31. Do not envy a man of violence. Do not choose any of his ways, for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. And Proverbs 24.1-2. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their hearts devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. And then Psalm 73, 3. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. But that psalmist's envy didn't last. A little further down in the psalm, it says in verse 16, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a worrisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God Then I discerned their end. And then down at the end of the psalm, he says, For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. That's warnings are not to become like wicked men just because you see them prospering for the moment. And it takes the psalmist some time to get there But after he spent some time with God in the sanctuary, he realized that the wicked may seem to be doing well now, but in the end, they will be judged. 
Envy is one of those things that distinguishes between the sheep and the goats in the final judgment. Look at 23.17. Let your heart not envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all day long, all the day. So this contrasts those who fear the Lord with those who are sinners. There's something seriously out of whack when the faithful are envious. In the New Testament, Jesus identifies envy as one of those evils that comes out of the heart of man. And envy is one of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5. And several times in the epistles, believers are warned not to forsake um, or not to envy one another, but to forsake that envy because it infects and weakens the body, just like a virus. One of the best examples of envy in the New Testament is found in Jesus' parable of the workers. You remember that story, right? He compared his kingdom to a landowner who hired a few day laborers to work his fields one morning. And then later in the day, he hired a few more. And then even later, just before quitting time, he hired some more. And at the end of the day, he paid them all the same amount. And then we read in Matthew 20, verse 10. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? There's that envy. Begrudging the generosity to someone else. Jesus is claiming his absolute right to give us whatever he pleases. And he chastises us for being concerned with what he gives others. So next I want to look at what envy does in our lives and how does it manifest itself. And in keeping with the virus analogy, what are the symptoms of envy in our lives? So if you go to the doctor, uh, he's going to carefully question you about any symptoms that you have. And different viruses have different symptoms. Some are more respiratory. Some affect the stomach more. And individuals are affected differently. Some hardly have any visible symptoms. And some are on death's door. And some go through that door. Envy can be like that. It can manifest itself in many ways or not outwardly at all. It's a hidden sin until we act on it. We don't want anyone to know that we're envious because that would be admitting that we somehow have fallen short. Listen to what Oz Guinness wrote about envy. He said, like pride, 
It is a sin of the spirit, not of the flesh, and thus a cold and highly respectable sin, in contrast to the warm and openly disreputable sins of the flesh, such as gluttony. Its uniqueness lies in the fact that it is the one vice that its perpetrators never enjoy and rarely confess. You and I might keep it inside, but that doesn't mean that it's not affecting us. Look at Proverbs 14.30. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Envy shrinks our souls and can affect our bodies. The uh, great Greek philosopher Socrates observed, the envious person grows lean with the fatness of his, labor, of his neighbor. I like that. Compared to other sins that bring pleasure, envy has no upside. Envy slays itself with its own arrows. It steals our happiness. Remember how King Ahab became so envious of Naboth's garden that he pined away and he wouldn't eat. Envy has the power, the potential to take our health away. We know that stress affects the body. And envy produces stress when it causes us to worry about what we don't have compared to what others do have. Envy is the engine of the keeping up with the Joneses syndrome. And advertisers have long known the power of envy to get us to buy their stuff. Ads promote worry over how we're going to have a thinner body or that bigger and better house or car or clothes. Listen to this from a shameless article that promotes the use of envy in advertising on how to advertise in social media like Facebook and Instagram. It says this, Consumers don't necessarily realize that they're having feelings of envy, and they just go with the flow of their emotions. The goal of the envy-driven promotional post is to make the follower feel as much envy as possible. Imagine that. And how are consumers going to get what they're selling? Well, most people, they have to work for it, right? So Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Envy hijacks the purpose of our labors. This verse says that if you work to keep up with the Joneses, that you're wasting your time. It's worthless. It's vanity. We must realize that all of our efforts as believers should be contributing to the kingdom and the glory of God. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the, the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Labor motivated by envy is serving and glorifying ourselves, not God. 
It's living our lives apart from God. It's seeking the wisdom of the world, not God's wisdom. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis from the Screwtape Letters. He says, We must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and advancement, where everyone has a grievance and where everyone lives the deadly serious passions of envy, self-importance, and resentment. To live in envy is to clothe yourself with fig leaves when God wants to put on a robe of righteousness. Another symptom of envy is the harm that we can do to others. 1 Peter 2.1 says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Envy often works itself out in ways that harm others. And why do we slander other people? It's often because we want to get back at those whom we envy. It's how we make ourselves feel superior to them who make us feel inferior. And the effects can be deadly. We already mentioned Cain and Abel. But there are a lot of other examples from Scripture where envy plays a role in violence. In Genesis, we see that Jacob doted on Joseph more than his brothers. And in Genesis 37, 4, it says, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. And that led to their plotting to kill him. Now, they were unsuccessful because God had other plans for Joseph. But the intention was there. And in the case of Ahab and Naboth's garden, murder was the result. But the remedy for envy is not the downfall of the fortunes of the ones that we envy. Or in us getting what we think we should have. Envy is never satisfied until everyone is at the same level. And that's impossible. So envy is never satisfied. Milton Friedman was an influential economist who guided the policy of the Reagan administration. And although he was an agnostic, Friedman was a keen observer of the human condition. And here he talks about the way socialism and communism fail in their use of envy to create a fair society. He said, A society that puts equality in the sense of equality of outcome ahead of freedom will end up with neither equality or freedom. The use of force to achieve equality will destroy freedom. On the other hand, a society that puts freedom first will, as a happy byproduct, end up with both greater freedom and greater equality. Envy attempts to equalize everyone's condition through coercion and violence. But just as in communist nations, the result is that everyone becomes equally miserable. 
Envy always brings unhappiness to the perpetrator as well as to the targets of their envy. So, what's the remedy? What's the vaccine for, for envy? Envy is a condition of the heart that can only be overcome by one thing, a new heart, a transformed heart, a heart of flesh to replace a heart of stone. Remember the first Peter passage that I cited earlier says to get rid of envy. Then he goes on to tell us how to do that. So 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. So put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You can't just say no to envy. You have to replace it with something else. And that something is found in the word of God. That is the spiritual milk that he's talking about here. It says we're to receive it like newborn babes. What's that about? Does he mean this is for new converts? No. It's for all who have tasted that the Lord is good. He's continuing a metaphor here from a few verses earlier. Look back up in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. All who have purified their souls have been born again through the word of God. And they need to be nourished by the milk of the word. Envy is born out of the sinful, fallen heart of man. (coughs) Excuse me. No amount of self-discipline can eradicate that it's only by having our hearts transformed through the power of the gospel that we are able to put away envy that's why i said there's something drastically wrong when believers are envious it's not who we really are peter's referencing psalm 34 when he talks about tasting that the lord is good look at that verse Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Jesus is the only refuge for sinners. He desires for us to take shelter in him as the hen desires her chicks to be protected under her wings. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His death on the cross for our sins is the only way into that rest. And this is the only effective vaccine against envy. In the pages of the scriptures, 
we learn of our true identity as beloved and cared for children of God. And this gives us the confidence to face the world without a sense of need and inadequacy, without the need for envy. John Piper says this, when you're filled with spiritual milk, when we're filled with spiritual milk, we become content with who we are in Christ. The remedy for envy comes from, no, from knowing and tasting the goodness and kindness of the Lord. His mercy and his kindness will make envy seem utterly inappropriate. I want to close with a psalm that beautifully depicts how to be vaccinated from the virus of envy. It's Psalm 37. And I'm just going to read it, um, the whole thing here. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. We can rest in the goodness and the sovereignty of God. It's he who decides what we have and what we don't. And when we trust in him for that, we don't need to envy anyone else. We know that he's giving us the very best, everything that we need for life and godliness. So just as Cain, sin is crouching at our door and wants to master us. And thank God that he has conquered sin and that you and I can master envy instead through the power of the word in our daily lives. So finally, I want to end with an ironic twist. Um, There is one way that we can use envy for good. Paul says this in Romans eleven thirteen, or I'll paraphrase. Um, he, he loudly and proudly boasts about his ministry to the Gentiles. And he says it's in the hope that he may somehow arouse his own people, the Jews, to envy Christians and thereby save some of them. It's a good thing for lost people to envy the joy that they see in Christians because it can draw them to Jesus. So my prayer for you and me is that we together would inspire such envy. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we praise you. We praise you that we've been freed from the need 
to somehow make up for what we think is deficient when Lord you have given everything that we need for life and godliness Lord we don't need to envy anyone because you have given us the very best so Lord we praise you and thank you we ask that you would use our lives as lights to shine in a world that's full of envy Lord that we might draw all men to you And we give you praise and all the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you and that the Word of God will fill your hearts and minds as you walk through this world. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would like to make a small donation to help defray the cost of this podcast, just click on the green Support Us button at the top of the webpage. Thank you.